get the meaning behind the numbers, and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Yes, Happy New Year and welcome to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto and across the TSN Radio Network. I'm Andy McNamara. You can get us on Twitter at TSN Analytics, myself at AndyMC81. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, TSN1050.ca show page, wherever else. On Twitter too, hey, we post the links there also. Let's kick off the new year with our buddy Travis Yost from TSN.ca. Travis, happy holidays, my friend, and I hope you had a great uh, holiday season and a happy new year. I did. Same to you, sir. Same to you. Excellent. And of course, Travis is joining us on the 3HL Tour Hotline, Canada's three-on-three professional hockey league coming to a city near you. Tickets on sale now at 3HLTour.com. And one is coming up, the 3HL Sir Robert Barry Classic, Sunday, January 21st, 3 to 6 p.m. at Barry Molson Center. Again, you can get those tickets, 3HLTour.com. All right, Travis. Well, uh, our, our 2017 year in review starts the same way the 2016 year in review could have started, really. We have the Pittsburgh Penguins as Stanley Cup champs. Second half of this past year has been interesting for the back-to-back champions. After winning it all, they lose Marc-Andre Fleury to expansion and strong forwards like Chris Kunitz. Do you see 2018 being kind to the Penguins, or will their transition to a younger roster result in an earlier start to their offseason? Man, I think Pittsburgh has one of the more interesting uh, uh, stories here for this 2017-18 season. I actually wrote about them just last week. Uh, they're in a weird spot where they're playing kind of well, but they're, two things are at play here. They're, they're core players, from including Sidney Crosby, but Evgeny Malkin, Phil Kessel, uh, Chris Letang in particular, who's been the subject of trade rumors in the last couple weeks. They're getting they're getting crushed on the goal front. I mean, like Crosby's negative twelve five on five with Hang is like negative twenty something. Malkin and Kessel are negative double digits. So I, I'm pretty sure the only player that is positive in goal differential on Pittsburgh at five on five this year is, is Justin Schultz. Funny enough, hmm. um, but yeah, like a large part of that is because they've gotten zero goaltending. And when when you ask the question, do you think it'll be kind to them? I think a lot of it is contingent on. Can they get Matt Murray figured out and back on the right track? He has been dreadful for the Penguins this year, and they really don't have anything around him. Uh, Tristan Jerry, they've played out. They, they've tried out. They had, a, I believe, an anti-Niemi spurt that was very short-lived. <laughs> but uh, they, they've tried about four or five goaltenders at this point, and they're just not getting anything from anyone. And it, it's kind of it's really hindering what I think is still a good team, not maybe not a great team this year, but they're still a quality hockey hockey team. But when you add goaltending into the mix, they look they look inferior to some of the teams in the division. They certainly look inferior to a Tampa Bay or even a Toronto right now. And uh, they, I, I, I think that Pittsburgh, this might be a, a some something of a reset year. I won't write them out for the playoffs just yet, but it's going to be hard to win a Stanley Cup when you are getting no goaltending. I mean, a lot of these teams that don't get any goaltending don't even make the playoffs. So. Right. It'll be it'll be interesting to see one what they do on the goaltending front and two if these crystal tag rumors are real. I, a lot of teams, you know, it, it's very rare that teams trade a first pairing, high end first pairing defender, and when they do, usually it ends up as a loss. So it, it's going to be interesting to see if Pittsburgh actually goes down that road and what they could potentially get for them if that trade is affected. Well, it's interesting with goalies. Sometimes you have the the young upstart, but sometimes Travis, you have guys who are better 
off the bench or, or in a reserve or have somebody pushing them. And maybe Matt Murray's that type of guy. Maybe it's, it's too early to say, but as of right now, it could be maybe he needed someone like a Marc-Andre Fleury where it wasn't all on him all the time. And maybe he's just not that good, right? Like, that's, and <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not, that's, a, that's not a negative comment whatsoever, but Matt Murray was great for large spurts, to your point, when he was kind of sharing workload. And I think, I think a lot of people concluded, oh, yeah, Matt Murray's a, a longtime NHLer. And now we're starting to see the other side of that. And it's like, oh, nope, now Matt Murray's terrible. And as always in, in these cases, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Yeah. But if the truth is somewhere in the middle, it's maybe he's a, a tweener starting goaltender at the NHL level. That's not going to cut it for a team with Stanley Cup windows no. now. No, not at all. Let's go to the Chicago Blackhawks. They've been perennial cup contenders for a good number of years now. But will 2017 be the year that we look back on as the end of their glory days? No, not at all, because that was 2016 we did that. We're a year behind. And no, I, I, I think last year's. I think last year's playoff exit was two things. It was sobering for the Blackhawks, and it was predictable. And, and that, is, that is a very – the second part is something I really want to emphasize here because there have been seasons where Chicago's lost in the playoffs or any team for that matter, and it's like, oh, maybe we didn't see that coming or maybe it was just a genuine upset or maybe the team just didn't play well for a spurt. They, they were just outskated and outplayed every single night by Nashville in that series, and that division's not getting any worse. Nashville is still – I would consider Nashville an elite hockey team. St. Louis is very good. Dallas is very good. Uh, Winnipeg is has been sensational this year. You look at Chicago and you're like, what does Chicago do better than any of those teams? And there's no answer. And, and, and there is no answer to that question. The only advantage that I think Chicago genuinely had over those teams is, and it's a big one, but they had a solid, solid number one goaltender, Corey Crawford. Corey Crawford's we talked about this before, but his trajectory is so bizarre. He was not good when the Blackhawks were really good, and then he's become really good when the Blackhawks have been so-so. Hmm. Uh, but he's out now. He's going to be out. He's going to miss some time due to injury. And you take away goaltending out of the out of the equation as an advantage for Chicago. They do not have a better skater group than any of those teams that I just mentioned. Maybe Dallas, uh, but definitely not Winnipeg, and definitely not. Uh, Nashville. So I, I, I look at Chicago and I'm like, yeah, they, they could be a playoff team. They might very well be a playoff team. I, I just struggle. Unless they do something or materially change something on their roster, I, I don't see how they get out of that division and will come playoff time. Like they, that, They're, they're going to be underdog potentially in both series. Yeah, I'm with you. They have to have to do something. So we'll see what 2018 brings for the Blackhawks. In conversation with Travis Yost from TSN.ca on Twitter at Travis Yost. Uh, let's look at the Maple Leafs. When we go back to 2017, are we seeing... Now, certainly they exceeded expectations by making the playoffs. We all know that. But was that in your mind as we move the calendar forward a... Okay, that was nice, and we see, still see a team that has to do some figuring out, or can we point back to that 2017 year as the start of a Maple Leaf run similar to the early years of a Pittsburgh or Chicago? Yes. Um, th- there were games last year where you saw Toronto's offense just blitzkrieg teams out of the building, and you're like, oh, there's something most definitely here. And last year it was they had a great offense, and they got quality goaltending. And this year it's pretty much the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. The, the the issue that the Leafs face, and it's the reason why their front office has been sniffing around pretty much any defender that hits the trade market, is how do we get that? Maybe it's not even a superstar defender. Maybe it's just another top four guy. They they have done an amazing job with what they have in terms of isolating minutes and trying to deploy in optimal scenarios. 
between Gardner and Riley and Hainsey and Pollock and all the way down the line. I, I think they've gotten the most out of that group. But when you look at Toronto now, you say, okay, great offense, no doubt about it. Quality goaltending, but the blue line is still a sore point. Like yeah. We don't feel like we can protect leads as well as a Tampa Bay or you know, a, probably a Nashville or maybe three or four other teams in the league. Like that, that is an area of risk for us. And, and, yes, that is one criticism, but that's an important one because Stanley Cup teams have, I'll, I'll say, minimal flaws. Like you can see where the weaknesses are, but you know it won't kill them. This is the sort of weakness that if they don't have a single pairing they can rely on, and I think that's fair to say. Like I don't think that's some snarky comment. I, no. I don't think there's a pairing that Mike Babcock can point to and say, that pairing can shut down a game for me. Um, or, or, or close out a game for me. I, I, I think until they answer that question, they're going to be in this spot where they're in like hockey purgatory, where they're very, very good. And if the if the dice hit the hit the floor the right way, maybe they 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 beat it a superior team like a Tampa Bay or even a Columbus. But right now, I think they're just sitting in that holding pattern where it's like we can beat most teams in the Eastern Conference, but maybe not everyone right now. Yeah, and you certainly can't point to them as true cup contenders until they figure out that blue line. So uh, we can't talk, Travis, about the last calendar year without bringing up the Vegas Golden Knights, our our weekly chat about Vegas. And listen, they have we talk about exceeding expectations with the Maple Leafs. My goodness, like this team is on a run to the postseason. Like what? Just overall, looking at how this Vegas team was built out of expansion and what they've done to this point throughout 2017. What should we expect in the next year? No, this is one of the teams where I start to kind of disagree with some of the more stat-oriented people because they check every single one of those boxes. I actually went back and looked at this a couple weeks ago when I was writing about it. They've been outplayed four times this year. There was an Edmonton game, a Nashville game, a St. Louis game, and I want to say one of the te- Dallas early in the year where they were outskated. That is four games out of getting close to 40 nights now uh, where, where they have basically 36 and 40 games where they have outplayed their, their competition, uh, and in some cases considerably so. They have one of the best lines in hockey between Marshall Smith and Carlson. That, that is a point that is not disputed at this, at this juncture. And they have generally a top six and a goaltender uh, that, that can skate with pretty much any team on a nightly basis. I mean, they, they have now beaten every single divisional winner at least once. Um, and they have beaten every single divisional leader at least once in 2017-18. Uh, I, I think a lot of what the fate about Vegas is, Vegas's weakness is that they don't have a single superstar on the roster. They don't have a game changer, but they, they, they make up for it in depth. And I think if you are Vegas, the team you want to draw in the playoffs, you want to play Anaheim, you want to play L.A., you want to play San Jose. Those are bigger, heavy, slower teams not necessarily loaded with star power, at least in 2017. And Vegas, quite honestly, has played all of those and has outskated every single one of those teams. I don't think Calgary's a great matchup because of how well they skate. And Edmonton, despite their ups and downs all year, I don't think Vegas has a single answer for the McDavid line, especially if they split McDavid and Dreisaitl. Like you're going to throw the March Hill line against one of them, but the other line is going to be open and vulnerable. So I, I think a lot of that, like it, like it always does, it comes down to how what the seeds look like and who they draw in the first round. But, I mean, as it is today, Vegas has got to be 95% or better to make the playoffs, which is a killer for every other Western Conference hmm. team because they've effectively stolen a spot at this point. And they, they draw one of the three teams I mentioned. I, I think there's a shot they're going to be favored in that series. That's going to be a lot of fun in 2018. All right, Travis, thank you so much, man. Let's do it again next week. All right, take care, Andy. 
All right, that was Travis Yost from tsn.ca. You can check out all his fine work right there. And Travis joined us on the 3HL Tour hotline. Catch the excitement of the 3HL Tour Canada's 3-on-3 Professional Hockey League coming to a city near you. Tickets on sale now at 3HLTour.com. That's 3HLTour.com. We will take the break and come back on the other side with James Harding, our fantasy expert from DraftKings and NHL.com. Give you some NHL fantasy tips. A lot more coming up on TSN Hockey Analytics. Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara. You're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. You can get us on iTunes, SoundCloud, TSN1050.ca show page, the iHeartRadio app, and on Twitter at TSN Analytics and at AndyMC81. As we always do, hey, let's look to our NHL fantasy expert, James Harding from DraftKings and from NHL.com for a big picture look at the year that was in fantasy and looking ahead to 2018. James, Happy New Year, man. How are you? Happy New Year, Andy. I'm good, buddy. How are you? Doing well. So let's, yeah, let's let's go big picture here, and we'll start with... Stock up. Stock down. All right, so give me two 2017 stock up fantasy players from where you expected that they might be at the start of the season. So somebody who maybe you, you thought uh, jumped up more than, than you originally anticipated. Yeah, I mean, there are really a, a number of different ways you could go here with this one. You look at a guy like Jake Borchek from Philadelphia, yeah. or Nathan McKinnon from, from Colorado, Josh Bailey from the New York Islanders, Vincent Trocek coming out of nowhere so far this season from Florida. But the two that I went with, and, and the first one we've talked about once or twice earlier this season when you've had me on, and that's Braden Shen from the St. Louis Blues. When you look at what that team has done this season compared to past seasons when they've kind of shuffled around their top centers, Paul Stastny really hasn't lived up to what they were expecting of him. The fact that Philadelphia traded him out to St. Louis because Philly had kind of given up on him, and then St. Louis (coughs) picks him up, and he just absolutely opens the season gangbusters on a tear, over 40 points, double-digit power play points, over 100 shots on goal right now. He's an overall top 10 fantasy asset in Yahoo Standard League so far this season. So when you look at he was just inside the top 100 at the beginning of the season to be inside the top 10 right now, he is definitely my biggest stock up for this season. And then the other guy, uh, looking down in Florida to Tampa Bay, uh, Vladislav Nemestikov, hmm. uh, you know, a, a guy who last year in a full season, 28 points, 10 goals, 18 assists, 6 power play points. This season, in just under half of a season, he has already surpassed all of those numbers, skating largely on the line this season with Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov down there. Uh, so over 30 points mid-double-digit power play points, and when you look at the the ceiling that he has with exposure to those two guys, plus on the power play with exposure to defensemen like Victor Hedman, Mikhail Sergachev, Anton Strawman, the ceiling there is very high for him as well. 
So those are the stock up. Now, a couple of guys who disappointed you in the first part of this season in 2017. Your stock downs. Yeah, we're going uh, north of the border where it's a little bit colder than New York, but I don't know how that's possible <laughs> right now. Uh, two, two guys, uh, number one, Eric Carlson, number two, Max Pacioretty. Mm. When you look at Carlson this season, we know he had off-season ankle surgery, so he missed the, the first portion of the season. But that franchise and that team is in absolute shambles right now. And when you think last year, he had 17 goals, 54 assists, and was a plus 10, and now here at the turn of the new year, just about midway through the season, he has 23 points, mid-20s in points, and in and around a minus 20 in plus-minus, so almost 30 worse in the plus-minus category. He just hasn't been there this season, and I would expect that the reason for that is his ankle injury, but it's also the team that's around him is just dragging his fantasy value down. And then when you look at Pacioretty, he skated most of the year with Jonathan Druin, who hasn't been great. That deal hasn't worked out as well as Montreal was hoping. Pacioretty uh, has 30 goals in each of his last three seasons. He had 30 last year, 35, I should say, last year, 32 assists, only eight goals, and he only has one goal in about his last 20 games right now. So, Major, major stock down from two really big-name captains up in Canada. Interesting. In conversation with James Harding, NHL fantasy expert from DraftKings and NHL.com, joining us on the 3HL Tour hotline. Catch the excitement of the 3HL Tour Canada's 3-on-3 professional hockey league coming to a city near you. And, hey, if you're in Barrie, the 3HL Sir Robert Barry Classic, Sunday, January 21st, 3-6pm to 6 p.m. at the Barrie Molson Centre. Tickets on sale now at 3HLTour.com for that event, or check 3HLTour.com for an event near you. Okay, James, so we looked at the stock up, stock down from 2017. Now, who are you anticipating fantasy-wise that are are poised to take a step up once things get kicked back up in January and the rest of the way? Yeah, two guys who I'm looking at right now, and we're going to go back up north of the border for these two as well. Uh, up in Toronto, I, I like Mitch Marner and William Nylander. Okay. Uh, they're, they, they both had... Uh, streaky starts to the season. They were both buried a little bit in the lineup, down even seeing time in the bottom six. I think there was a stretch of games where Nylander was on the fourth line in Toronto and, and Marner playing on the third line, but he's starting to get more minutes now. They're both starting to heat up. Marner is playing with James Van Riemsdyk and Tyler Bozak up there. He's uh, starting to creep up into the high 20s, low 30s in points. Same with Nylander, and Nylander, of course, now playing with Austin Matthews, who is back healthy and looking like the player he was last year. So I, I think going forward, both of them are going to have big second halves, and I think they're going to be able to sustain it, especially a guy like Nylander finally playing where, you know, all the, the fans up in Toronto finally getting the wish of saying, hey, just give us Matthews and Nylander together on a line and let's see what kind of magic that they can do, and they're starting to look really good right now together. Absolutely. Last one for you here. In general here, James, who has been the best value by goaltender in DraftKings contests? Yeah, and, and a guy who had a really down season last year, and his rookie season he was good, down season last year, and then this year, really taking the entire league by storm. 
and that's Connor Hellebuck from the Winnipeg Jets. When you look, he's top five right now in wins. He was a guy who was kind of cast off. They brought Mason in as the, the starter there, and then he just wrestled that job away from, from him and, and has run with it. Uh, he's 15 games over 500 right now. His goals against have started to creep up over the last few weeks. Save percentage has dropped a slight bit, but he's still in and around the top 12 to 15 in both categories. And like I said, top five in wins. He's surrounded by a great offense, which is going to have to have some tweaks right now with the injury to Mark Scheifele. So it's going to be interesting how that offense develops going forward for the next month and a half to two months. But I really like the step forward that he has taken in his game and where you see uh, his DraftKings salary go from the beginning of the year when he was in the low 7,000s. Now he's in the high 7,000s, depending on the matchup, sometimes even touching in the 8,000s. So his value from beginning to now has shot up exponentially. Great stuff as always, James. People can get you on Twitter if they need any NHL fantasy advice at jharding underscore hockey. Let's do it again next week. All right, buddy. Sounds great. That was James Harding, uh, fantasy expert from DraftKings and NHL.com. We'll take the break. A lot more TSN Hockey Analytics coming up across the TSN Radio Network. Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara, and you're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1150 Hamilton, across the TSN Radio Network. You can follow us on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. You can find us as well on iTunes, on SoundCloud, the TSN1050.ca show page, and we also tweet out the links there too. So, wanted to, I'm very excited for our next guest, Dom Lustichin, hockey writer for The Athletic on the line. Dom, how's it going, man? I'm doing great. How about you? Doing well. Hope you had a great holiday season. And listen, one of the many charts you upload daily on The Athletic is the projected NHL standings chart. Now, that shows who will finish where at the end of the year, what their chances of making the playoffs or the finals are, and finally, the likelihood that they win the Stanley Cup. So take us through what goes into these projected final standings. Is it a combination of different stats that place teams in certain spots? Uh, basically, it's all based on uh, an individual player model. So I rate every single player in the league based on game score, which combines a bunch of, I guess, box score stats. So I get all these player ratings, combine it to a team rating to get each team's projected strength. And then I simulate all the games for the rest of the season based on who's at home, who they're playing, how much rest they've had. And, yeah, I combine that with the standings that have already happened, and it spits out a probability for the playoffs, who wins the division, hmm. and what happens in the playoffs. So how much of uh, who's hot in a particular week do you take into account? Um, I don't think it takes the like hot streaks into account hmm. very well, because it's based on, because if I'm doing it, by player, I try to make it as stable as possible. So I right. use the last three years because it gives a more accurate picture of how good a player is. Someone um, like Max Pacioretty this season is having a down year, but we know from the past that he's a much better player than this. And you'd want, you'd expect him to pick things up, and that's why you need more data. Um, it hurts when you have, I guess, players with a smaller sample size because it'll be more volatile. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Like right now, it thinks Matt Barzell is just an unbelievable player, but it's only because we've only seen him play for 37 games at the moment, and he's probably going to regress a bit. It does its best to do that, but it also ages us because he's young and we expect him to get better as well. So it's just this weird framework where it really depends on how big a sample size it is. And basically because it does work off three years, a week or so won't change things too much in the grand scheme of things, but like teams can improve pretty drastically. I, I know I had Vegas rated, I think in the bottom five to start the season as many did, and they've risen through the yeah. ranks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unexpected to all, but well, I, I like that, that it doesn't necessarily take hot streaks into that much of an account over a three year period because it, that would that would skew it greatly if it was was so up and down. This really kind of gives you a a larger picture and can take into account, I guess, trends and patterns over a longer period of time, right? Yeah, that's basically the gist of it. I know okay. sometimes people look at it and it won't make as much sense to them because they look at the standings and they see, I guess, a team like New Jersey, a team that can't lose. But everything we know about most of their players is that they probably shouldn't be this good. Um, I do think they're a lot better than many gave them credit for to start the season, but at the same time, I don't think they're the best team in the Metro, obviously, and I think they their second half might be a little worse than their first half was. Right, and on any given day, how far off are your standings from the actual standings, like on, on average? Is it pretty close? Uh, well, it's it changes from the start of the season to the end. I think when I checked last year, um, at the start of the season, it was around like 40%, which sounds obviously terrible. But when you think about like predicting the NHL standings at the start of the season, it's just almost complete guesswork. So to yeah. be anywhere close is pretty good. I think I, I looked at, I think, like 10 different sources last year, including um, – uh, betting websites, some other projection models. Um, I think USA Today and the Washington Post had their writers project points. Um, EA Sports had their model, and I think a couple others. But I, mine was the most accurate last year, and it was still off by like nine points, give or take. So that's basically the range you're going with. And as the season progresses, that range gets a bit smaller. So we're probably at the halfway point where it's probably closer to like five points, give or take. See, we only have the best on TSN Hockey Analytics. Dom, the best of the best out of that other group. Love it. In conversation with Dom Luschichin, a hockey writer for The Athletic. So on the smaller scale, you touched on it a little bit earlier. You also do daily game probabilities, and that will give you an exact percentage to the likelihood that one team beats another. So that's a cool little chart for those who like to maybe play some pro line or, or, or on the bookies in Vegas, right? So what are, are some of the, the key factors in determining these daily percentages? Uh, the daily percentages um, is basically the same thing because I guess the full season projections take into account the daily percentages throughout the entire year, and then the daily would just be, I guess, today, right? Right, right. Um, so the dailies are different in that I cha- I look at which goalies are starting, what's the exact lineup for the night. Like sometimes some players will be healthy scratches. That'll change things slightly. But basically the same thing, home ice, rest, Obviously, a team that's playing back-to-back nights will see a drop in their probability. A team that's playing their third and fourth nights, fifth and seventh, those things 
have a negative effect on a team's ability to play. So a team, like you hear the term schedule loss when a team's playing back-to-back. It's not 100% true. They're not going to, it's not a guaranteed loss, but it is a lot less likely because they're tired. Right. Now, does that matter as well if the normal starting goaltender is playing in the first or second game of a back-to-back, or is it still lower overall in that second game? Uh, it's still lower overall. So even because I think I think Carey Price is starting both games. I don't really change anything about Price. I just change that the team is playing on the back to back, so it'll drop about like two percent. But if they, for example, play Niemi, it'll probably drop another three or four because Niemi is, you know, one of the lesser goalies in the league. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And another uh, neat thing is your game note section where you'll provide a little nugget like uh, something like uh, this team has this much more of a percentage chance of winning if this player is or is not in the lineup. Do you see something like war wins above replacement being adapted in hockey like it is in baseball? Uh, I think it'll take a long way to get there. I think I'm do- what I'm doing right now is pretty good. Um, I know that uh, don't tell me about Hart got hired by the Abs earlier on this year. He had a war stat. Manny, who runs Corsica, has a war stat. Um, I do think that it's getting to that point, but it needs there still needs to be some acceptance in the mainstream. That it also needs to be some fine tuning of all our metrics because hockey stats right now are so still in the I guess primitive stage where you don't have all the information at your hand that would properly measure a player's full contributions, but I still right. think that there's enough there that it's useful. Okay, so yeah, still a ways to go, but you're uh, helping trailblaze it. Okay, mm-hmm. good, good stuff. Uh, now, on a game-to-game basis for the Maple Leafs, uh, for example, you'll provide a, a game score for every player, and mm-hmm. the worst player that night will have a game score of something like negative 0.52, let's say, and, and while the best player might finish with a score above 2. What do these numbers represent? Uh, it's basically what the season projections are based on. Um, I made this stat a couple of years ago that I stole from basketball, where basically you take all the players' box score contributions and you combine them into one number. And it's on the same scale as points per game. So someone who had a game score of one was similar to a guy who got one point. Someone who has a negative game score, you could probably look at them as hurting the team more than they were helping although it's not as common as should be, especially over a full season. There aren't, there's probably like a handful of players who are averaging negative. Um, but yeah, it's basically just a way to measure a player's performance for a game based on a combination of all the things they did. And there'll be times where it doesn't capture everything. As a, that goes back to what you were saying about war, because it's a one-number stat. There's, especially for the Leafs, there's a lot of games where Gardner will have a secondary assist from just passing it to one of the forwards and gets an assist off that. Um, and his course, he is fine, but he was the main reason for maybe a big goal against, and he'll show up really high on this chart, and people will be like, why is Gardner so high? He was awful this game. And I just tell him I don't have all the answers. <laughs> You're only one man, Dom. Yeah. So, so like, when... So if a player scores a goal, that's obviously going to pop him up higher in the score. Yeah. Right, okay. Uh, yeah, the formula, I wrote a piece a few years ago with the exact weights for each thing. So goals are obviously the most important, then assists. Uh, well, first assist, then second assist, then shots. Of course, he's obviously important. Um, 
five on five goal differential so not exactly plus minus they'll strip away the the garbage and plus minus like shorthanded goals for and empty net goals against but still i think someone important to see that as well but basically if it's countable and important then it's in there okay and last one for you here dom to your knowledge do nhl teams have their own scoring system on a game-to-game basis to judge a player's performance on on any given night or is it just up to the old school eye test uh, I'm sure any team that has not even if the, even if they don't have an analytics department, I'm sure they have a scoring system. I remember a couple of years back, I was watching Road to Winter Classic, and they had an interview with I think it was Dan Bilesma and someone. They were rating each player's last game. They're like, oh, this game was a four out of the five, all this stuff. So like, I, teams are obviously doing it. I'm not sure the methodology that they're doing it. I'm sure if you combined a coach's ratings with an algorithm rating and you probably get a better sense of, I guess the game player had because there's going to be stuff that the numbers miss. There's going to be stuff that the coach might miss because he's a little too close to the game. You can sure. you get a, a good score. And I'm sure teams are doing that. But I'm not a hundred percent sure. Cause I don't, no, specifically. Yeah, but but you're right. It makes sense. If you have an analytics department, there's probably something like that going on. So mm-hmm. Very good, Dom. All right, well, always appreciate the time. Let's do it again soon. All right, sounds good. All right, that was Adam Lushchin, hockey writer for The Athletic. We'll take the break and come back with more TSN Hockey Analytics across the TSN Radio Network. Do you love three-on-three overtime hockey? Then you'll love the 3HL Tour, Canada's three-on-three professional hockey league. Some of the best hockey players in Canada competing for money in your hometown. One day only. Three hours, eight teams, one winner, $15,000 cash purse. Upcoming dates, January 21st at Barry Molson Center. February 11th at William Allman Arena, Stratford. Go to 3HLTour.com and grab your tickets. That's 3HLTour.com. Use promo code 1050 for 30% off tickets. Presented by The Mobility Shop, GTA's number one home health care equipment retail shop. Back to wrap up another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto and across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara, and you can get us on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. You can subscribe and rate us on iTunes, SoundCloud, TSN1050.ca show page, and, of course, we post the links on Twitter. To wrap things up, as we usually do, from TSN.ca, our very own Scott Cullen. He joins us courtesy of the 3HL Tour Hotline, Canada's three-on-three professional hockey league coming to a city near you. Tickets on sale right now at 3HLTour.com. That is 3HLTour.com. And we got one at the 3HL Sir Robert Barry Classic. How about that? uh, Sunday, January 21st, 3 to 6 p.m. at the Barry Molson Center. So, again, you can find out all the dates, prices, and buy your tickets at 3HLTour.com. Scotty, Happy New Year. How are you? Uh, Great. How are you doing, Andy? I'm doing well, sir. You had a good holiday season? Yeah, no complaints. No complaints. It's it's still cold as crazy, oh, but uh, but you know what what do we do in Canada but complain about the cold? Yes, yeah. And you know what? Side note: I hate when people say oh, it's December, it's January, it's February in Canada. What do you expect? I can still complain. It's not pleasant. <laughs> I don't have to like it. And, and, and I would say this year we've we've got we've gotten our dose of cold. Like this is this is uh, colder than usual, even for even for us. Exactly. Exactly. All right, we're on the same page. Good. Okay, let's get to heroes and zeros for the year. It's time for the best and worst of the NHL this week. Hockey analytics, heroes and zeros with Scott Cohen and Andy McNamara. 
All right, and this is our 2017 Heroes and Zero, Scotty. So let's begin with a hero. You like yourself some Hampus Lindholm. I do, and you know what we're looking at here is we're, I'm not saying these are the best players in the league or anything, but sort of using advanced stats to to hand out some honors here because you know advanced stats have have shown us. Uh, over the years, you know, the real value of a player, like say like a guy like Patrice Bergeron, who everybody knew was a good player, but I think now everybody realizes he's really a great player. Right. Uh, and so this is, uh, we go with Hampus Lindholm because since the start of the last season, um, his relative, of course, he is up over plus seven. Relative expected goals is up over plus nine. Uh, second only to Dougie Hamilton. Um, and Dougie Hamilton does have the benefit of being paired with Mark Giordano most of the time. Uh, Lindholm tends to play with Josh Manson, among others, in Anaheim. And, and so I feel kind of more comfortable with Hampus Lindholm is the one driving uh, those results. And so that's, uh, that's I guess, the, the reason that I keep this praise on him. And, and because he's not a big point producer, uh, so he, he kind of needs uh, an opportunity to get uh, a little bit of praise when, yeah. uh, when we look at the advanced stats because he's not going to get it when you look for goals and assists. Exactly. We like giving love to the, the analytics guys on the analytics show. Makes sense there to you me. Go. <laughs> Scotty, who's your second hero of 2017? Second hero is Sean Couturier. Uh, the center for the Flyers, and look, he's been one of the best uh, two-way centers, checking centers, uh, for years. Like when, when he was 19 years old, he was getting uh, top uh, checking matchups. So this year ha- has sort of ended on a, on a real high for Couturier because the, the, the Flyers moved him up to center on their top line, uh, shifting Claude Giroux over to left wing, and lo and behold, it turns out Sean Couturier can score too. Hmm. Um, you know, and so you know, since the start of last season, his relative course he is up near, uh, near plus six. Relative expected goals up uh, over seven. Um, and, you know, the fact that I, I think this season has effectively uh, changed his career arc, that he's not going to be uh, a checking center who you only send out uh, to play those defensive assignments. Now Couturier is, is turning into this, um, you know, guy you can play in all situations because he does everything. So that's the heroes for 2017. Who needs to you know, pick up the slack in 2018? Who's the first zero? <laughs> uh, you, you're going with Troy ba- Brower off the top. Yeah, that's right. And I, ha- I have my <laughs> doubts that he's going to be picking up the yeah, slack. Yeah, yeah. The, the slack has been has been falling uh, for Troy Brower. In 111 games with the Flames, he scored 15 goals, which isn't great. Uh, nine of them at even strength. But he actually got off to a half-decent start uh, in Calgary um, you know, back in 2016. Uh, but kind of the downward slide started around Christmas last year. Uh, and in seven, in 75 games in 2017, he scored seven goals. Uh, minus seven relative course he's, uh, since the start of last season. Minus eight relative expected goals for. And, and this is, you know, the, the Flames signed him to, to big money after a playoff run with St. Louis, uh, you know, because every team needs to get tougher. And, <laughs> and what's happened here is the Troy Brower, you know, because this production isn't there, well, now he's, he's sunk down most nights he's playing on the fourth line in Calgary and, and so so there's there's a lot of sunk cost here for, for a player who's not producing. And for the final zeros, I'll put an S at the end of that. <laughs> a tandem, Scotty. You're going Dion Phaneuf and Cody Cece. Well, I couldn't split them up really. No. <laughs> if, 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 when we're trying to assign blame. Yes. And and look the uh, among defense pairings that have played a thousand five on five minutes since the start of last season, uh, CC and Phaneuf rank rank worst uh, in relative expected goals minus six, um, and you know their relative course he has a pair is minus five. Like, and, and, the, and the problem is that Ottawa just refuses to to you know bump them down the lineup. You know they they, they keep playing them out twenty two twenty three minutes a night, and um, you know and the results continue to be poor. Uh, but 
uh, you know, what, what can you do? This isn't, uh, um, you know, we, we don't get to make the decisions for Ottawa's coaching staff, but uh, despite, despite the numbers, they continue to roll these guys out there. And that's, it's funny, because when Dion Phaneuf first went over to Ottawa, he did well, and now it's kind of like he's gone back to eh, sort of how he was at the Maple Leafs a little bit, right? Well, it could be, and and no, I mean, if I had to, if I had to split them and assign blame, I might, I might side with Cody Cece because I, I, I think Phaneuf can can give them half decent results paired with someone else. Uh, but yeah, like it, it, I, I think when you bring in Dion Phaneuf and you expect him to be this steady hand who's who's going to you know bring along a young defenseman, uh, you would prefer that they not have league worst results as a pairing, and that. Yeah, it, there's been enough time that we know that they they don't work well together, and uh, uh, I hope Ottawa, for their sake, figure, figures out another way to uh, deploy their defense. Now, I mentioned the Maple Leafs briefly, and, and big picture-wise, Nazem Kadri, I think, is a fascinating story, because he can score in bunches, he can slide them up and down the lineup, but he can also go in huge slumps, right? Like, yeah. he had one at the end of the year, uh, and not scoring goals, and we're... Where do you kind of see Nazem Kadri, Scotty, fitting in with the Maple Leafs as we look ahead to 2018? Because he is he is versatile and he can play against other teams' top lines. Depending, you know, Connor yep. McDavid has had success over. Sure. Where, where where do you see him kind of fitting in? Is it more of a scoring guy? Is it a a shutdown guy? Like what is Nazem Kadri? Um. <laughs> it's hard to say. Probably some combination of both. Yeah. I think I think the Leafs like to use him. Um, as a bit of a shutdown guy, but then they reward him with power play time. Mm. You know that okay. he gets he gets the tough assignments, and and you know, and some nights it works. Like because because you know he'll play a physical game and probably plays bigger than his size, as you might say. Is that you know he's not he's not a huge guy, but he'll get in there and throw his body around and and he'll agitate and and so you can you can use that in a defensive role when you play him out there against good good players. Um, but I think Kadri, you know, all along, you know, go back to his junior days and, and his early days in the league is that he's been able to produce offense too. And so you're, you're not, you're not maximizing your return. If you just tell Nazem Kadri to go out and annoy the best players on the other team, like hmm. yeah, there's, there's more to it that, that he can provide. And so, um, look, I, I think he, he could play more than he has, um, in, in Toronto, say in the past couple of years. Um, but, you know that's sort of the nature of the way the Maple Leafs are. They're really balanced through their their top three lines, and um, you know as, as long as they have Matthews and, and Bozak kind of eating up some other minutes down the middle, um, that doesn't leave a ton of time for Nazem Kadri. And so his his point totals, you're basically going to get okay point totals, but not um, you know not real breakthrough kind of numbers. And 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 I don't know if if Tyler Bozak leaves Toronto um, as a free agent. Well then, you know maybe that's an opportunity for uh, for more minutes and maybe a more offensive role for for Kadri. But you know it's entirely possible that Bozak hangs around and um, and the Leafs kind of roll with these top three centers the way they have for the past couple of years. Last one for you here, Scotty. As we look ahead to 2018, give me in the standings a team that's going to be a riser and a team that's going to be a faller. And let you know what? If you want to start, like, I, and, and I'll skew it this way: the Vegas Golden Knights. They can't <laughs> keep this up. I talked with Travis Jost earlier in the show. They they got to be someone who are going to fall, can't they? This well, just seems ridiculous. They, they have to fall only because the their results are so outrageous. Right. Right, and this because I'll say this: at the start of the year, I was 
you know, I was on team the Vegas Knights are going to crash. Yeah. Um, and but as time has gone on, uh, I'm sort of siding w- with Vegas. You know, mm. not that I think they're great, not that I think they're you know, on pace for 120 points or whatever it's going to be, uh, but. Um, you know, their possession numbers have kind of steadily improved. You know, early in the year, as they kind of were reeling off these wins, they were getting outshot. And, it was kind of, and they're, they're getting these wins with their third and fourth string goalies. It was kind of like, okay, well, it's going to catch up to them. Well, they've started to, to win the shot battle now. And, uh, you know, they're hovering around a top 10 uh, possession team. And, you know, not that, that that means they're a great team, but if they're, if they're putting up those numbers and, you know, they stay relatively healthy, um, I still think they're going to be. Uh, a decent team, which probably lands them in the playoffs, which is remarkable. Um, but so I, I don't, I don't peg um, Vegas as a far. I guess if I'm going to pick a riser, I'm going to stay in the same division. I'm going with Edmonton, um, yeah. which is, you know, I mean, obviously they've underachieved to this point, um, but uh, kind of all the reasons that I would uh, kind of remain hopeful for them. Um, they have they have good possession numbers. They have Connor McDavid. Uh, Cam Talbot has played better since coming back from injury. Those are those are kind of all the reasons that I would side with Edmonton and think you know they, they've got a shot to um, you know rally and get into the playoffs. I mean they've got they've got some work to do to uh, get out of their their hole, but uh, I think the Oilers have have a chance to uh, to recover. Um, who's doing well right now that I think could could fade. Um, I think New Jersey has probably overachieved to this point. Uh, there are a few things that I like about them. I mean, I think Taylor Hall is great. Nico Heischer has um, added some offense for the, for them. And, um, you know, Corey Schneider's back playing like Corey Schneider. But, you know, I look at, I look at you know, as much as I can be positive about Vegas and Edmonton because they have strong possession numbers, uh, you know, New Jersey's aren't great. They're in the, they're in the bottom ten of the league. And, and uh when you bank on your goalie to, to kind of bail you out on, on a regular basis, uh, I worry that, uh, you know, that can catch up to a team. Scotty, great stuff as always, my friend. Let's do it again next week. Sounds awesome. Thank you, Andy. All right, that was TSN.ca. Scott Collin, get him on Twitter at TSN Scott Collin. That will do it for another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara. Thanks to our producer, Sean Lavery and Grady Sass. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics across the TSN radio network.